Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following program, Bits, Rhymes, and Life, is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop. Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and to learn how you can support this and other fun Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. This is the story of a boy who believed that whatever he dreamed he would come to achieve, but never in his life did he dream he could be an inspiration to those who came after he. story about finding identity. When I first started rapping, I was inspired by two, maybe three rappers. First, LL Cool J. Second, Redman. Mike, check. Smooth to any groove, relax the tongue. Let my mic take a cruise around the planet. Packing men like Janet Jackson. She's asking if I can slam it. Next, gangsta. No way you'll never make it. Come with the witch. I break kids. Step into my zone. Mad rhymes will stifle you. Lines like So what I was trying to do is combine all of those and be something completely different, but at the same time drawing from my inspiration. So so when I first started rapping, I made music that was fun, um, that was not really too heavy or serious, but mainly just fun storytelling uh, and trying to be versatile. So I uh, drew from my inspirations, of course, but um, it was finally at some point time for me to find an identity. Now, before I'd ever recorded anything, ever even probably been in a professional studio outside of maybe recording things for other people, I used to go to an open mic. And the open mic that I frequented was in Philadelphia, in South Philly, a place called Pearl of Africa on South Street. Now, uh, it was one of those places, uh, it's not around anymore, but um, it was, uh, we called it, it was, it was one of those places for the head rap crowd. You know, you come in, you smell the incense burning, and, um, you know, it was just always a, a spiritual experience to come in. Um, and they'd always have Bob Marley playing, and you go upstairs, and there's this little room where they had open mics. And uh, so I used to go there all the time with uh, a couple of the homies. Uh, we going with Lefty, uh, my producer, Fingers, and a lot of other dudes. And we would hang out, and we would just do some songs. And um, one day I decided to try to do a new song. And I don't remember the song particularly, but uh, it was a little more of a serious song than usual. And um, I did it with no beat, uh, so it was more like spoken word poetry. You know, so, you know, when you do the spoken word in those type of environments, you get what's called the snap. You know, you get the little, like, that's what everybody does when they like what you're doing. So, you know, hoping to get a couple snaps. And I uh, did a song, and I don't remember what it was about. I feel like maybe it was about 9-11, maybe something like that, because it was around that time. And um, I met a woman named Katora. Katora came up to me afterwards and was like, yo... 
I really like what you're trying to do. Like that deep stuff. Like this is some conscious revolutionary music. You need to get down with my crew. And I was like, a crew. And then I hear this like, oh, because like I had never had a crew before. So, you know, the homies on the block that I wrote raps with. So she's like, you need to get down with my squad. The squad is called Game. Uh, Game was an acronym for Grassroots Artist Movement, which was a lot of um, socially conscious uh, brothers and sisters who came together to make music and um, community movements that were always, um, you know, held with the community and with bettering the world in mind. And uh, it was all about being a revolutionary. Uh, one of the co-founders was uh, was M1 of Dead Prez. And, um, and yeah, they had some pretty cool members all over. So most of them were in New York, but uh, there was some Philly chapter. There was some West Coast chapters. So, like, this is pretty dope. And um, we would have meetings every week, and we'd come through, and I would bring Lefty through. And it wasn't necessarily his scene, but uh, we would still hang out and uh, enjoy it because it was cool being around some creative folks. And um, I had a good time, but uh, the things were about to change, I thought, because at the same time, I was recording, and I was recording music that wasn't necessarily me. Um, I worked in a studio, a little background for those who don't know. I used to work in a studio before I started being a full-time rapper. I was a studio engineer, which is probably the least heralded job when it comes to music. As a studio engineer... You get everybody's BS. You get the um, you get treated the worst, probably. You get respected the worst, what? at least. Uh, turn my headphones up. I'm serious, nigga. Turn them shits up. Turn them up. Hold up. Uh, yeah. Hold up, nigga. I can't hear out my left headphones. This one, nigga. This is my left. Turn it up. Why you drop the beat out, man? Which is weird because you're the person that controls how good stuff sounds. So it doesn't make sense that you would treat that person weird. But um, I've gone into studios where people come through with guns on them, with all sorts. I mean, they want to bag up in the middle of a session. They want to chop up in the middle of a session. They want to put on and take off bulletproof vests. I mean, talk about some scary stuff. So... I was in the midst of this, and I was just a nice guy hanging out, trying to do this for my 20 bucks an hour or whatever I was getting, which was, you know, much better than working at school at the time. So I thought this was the way to get into the music business. So during my downtime, I would record my own songs. Like when I didn't have anybody come through for an hour, I'd record my own songs because I was determined to make music. But I was really sure that nobody wanted to hear what I was doing. Like this was early 2000s. Rockefeller was at its height. You know, everybody in Philly wanted to be Jay-Z light. And then, uh, which made it worse is that, or better, Jay-Z started signing artists that were from Philadelphia. So you had guys like Beanie Siegel, Freeway, uh, Chris and Neef, Young Guns. You had Petey Crack. So all these Philly guys were getting jobs and, and rap all of a sudden. So that's what it became dope and cool to sound like. So everybody in Philly is being, sounding like one member of state property or another. So... At that time, I knew that me making music was just not uh, something that anybody wanted to hear. So I was making these happy-go-lucky rap tunes. So then I decided one day to start changing up what I was rapping about. So at the same time that I'm hanging out with Game and uh, Dead Press-led <laughs> organization, I'm also going to the studio at night just trying to... This is a huge dichotomy going on in my head where I'm working at a studio where people are constantly just kind of talking about just killing people, you know, and, and 
probably really doing it. I heard one story about a, a guy who was in that studio with us who told me about a past studio he worked at where uh, he told a gentleman that he was standing too close to the microphone. And when he told him that several times, the guy got really upset about it to the point where he ran out of this, the vocal booth and like starts choking the engineer. Like, you don't tell me what to do or stay close to the whatever. I'm not the man. Just like flips out on the engineer. So just, just in one of many examples that probably any studio engineer could tell you about just in general, not always being treated the best or like you should be. But um, it's so funny, though, because when major labels have leaks and things happen with music, it's probably the engineer, you know, because it has to come from that source. So you should probably be nicer to your engineer. But I digress. So moving forward, nighttime, I'm hanging out with doing game meetings in the evening. But late, late, late night, I'm hanging out with uh, Philly's best thugs doing their Rockefeller's impressions and um and auditions. And so through that I met some dope people though. I really did. I met um I wound up running into Freeway doing that. And uh so I was making music that I thought could appeal to those people and I was making beats as well. So uh little did they know because I didn't actually tell people I was making beats on an MTV music generator, which was a PlayStation game. But at that time the particular sound of, of uh Sampling, sampling soul music was big, and so, and that's what I loved. I grew up with soul music, so I started sampling soul music, and people liked my beats, and so they would come through to the studio, and I would like sneakily play one of my beats in downtime. Like they'd be like, "Yo, yo, yo, what's that? What's that? What's that?" I'm like, "Ah, it's just a little something I'm working on," and then they'd be like, "Yo, can I get that?" And I'm like, "Sure." So I would sell beats that way, um, but again, I was recording music as well, but it wasn't music that was really true to me. I was just trying to. I don't know what I was trying to find. I was trying to find this happy medium between socially conscious and aggressive street, you know, and, and there really isn't a happy medium there. Like uh, I was I was kind of forcing square peg into a round hole there. But um, I had songs that went perfectly. So when I would go to game meetings, I would play them those songs. And then I had songs that would fit perfectly with street mentality so I would play those songs when I was with, around those guys so this is me really trying to forge my identity in music and uh, kind of having a hard time but um, it was fun because luckily you know studio time wasn't an issue because I was able to record all night long so myself uh, my homie John Bapp and uh, my homie Chiz and there was so many of us I would just bring the whole block through and we would just record and have fun Yeah. Yeah. Mama, 
I know you raised a spin up or something. Somehow, some I gotta make this shit. And ghetto to mind states equivalent to ambivalent killers with direct orders from satanic images. Villainous, born and bred in the wilderness. Yeah. With these rubber scarf at life sentences. Blemishes on the face of the innocent. And death in the ghetto tenements is eminent. Degenerates play the cut like liniment. Rent sky high, mama can't pay a cent of it. That's the life in the city I'm from. It ain't that uncommon seeing little kitties with guns. And these hideous slums trying not to succumb to the black widow in the web of lies she spun. Got a skillet for crumbs. They say we too far gone. Inflicted pain on others to soothe our own. If only grandma could see us now, she'd probably take that belt off and beat us down. Beat us down. Beat us down. Who's that making that noise? Grandma. Playing with their toys, that's just Grandma. Two in the morning on the corner. Grandma. Hustling into the break of dawn. Grandma. Alright, let's get off the moms, because I just got off yours. Ooh. <laughs> hey party people, it's Kate Murdoch here And I want to talk to you about something real fresh, real new That myself and Megaran are doing now And it involves you, the fans Myself and Megaran just launched a Patreon A monthly way for you all to subscribe to us and what we do For as little as one buck a month You'll get free exclusive downloads A guaranteed song a month And if you pledge at the $10 level You'll get a free project a month Whether it be something we do together Whether Whether it's something solo, a side project that I engineer or produce, it's guaranteed exclusive for you Patreon supporters. So, if you really like what we do, then this is the time to get down and join us. We are trying to bring back that Nintendo Fun Club vibe because this is essentially a fan club for the real fans. So, check it out. Patreon.com slash bits and rhymes. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash bits and rhymes. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Thank you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Now, it comes time for a game to travel to New York to do a... um, This is a big festival going on in Albany. It was upstate New York. And uh, we decided we were going to do a bus trip. And the bus trip was going to have everybody from game, like the New York and the Philly chapters, get on the same bus and ride up to New York. And it would just be a really dope experience. And uh, I think that was the experience that really changed my life and kind of swayed me 
to to where I wanted to be and kind of forge my identity bigger or harder, stronger than uh, anything I had done prior to that. Because um, we started riding the, through the bus and I met so many people. I met uh, Hassan Salam. I met uh, Majesty. I met Ravage, the Mecha Godzilla. And these are all guys that I wound up working with on like my first album or my second album and things like that. And these were all like super conscious MCs who were also like just dope. And so the whole ride up there, we freestyled the entire time. Like I would play my beats and people would just go in. Like we were just up there just rapping all the entire bus ride. Like it was just so much fun. And um, there was one dude in the back who um, didn't sit with anybody. He had a seat by himself and he was quiet the whole time. And uh turned out it was this rapper known as Immortal Technique. Now, if you know anything about Immortal Technique, he's probably the most well-known like socio-conscious political artist out there. Because he doesn't just talk it, he lives it. The bling bling era was cute, but it's about to be done. I'll leave you full of clips like the moon blocking the sun. My metaphors are dirty like herpes, but harder to catch. Like an escape tunnel in prison. I started from scratch, and now these parasites... But um, I didn't know that him and I had some similarities. He went to Penn State for a little bit, so did I. He spent some time in Philly, so did I. So the entire time, nobody talked to him. It was almost like everybody was afraid. Like he was just like the sleeping giant. Nobody wanted to like poke him or bother him. But um, he was just so focused, like intently just staring. And he's an intense dude. If you've ever seen him live or even watched an interview, you know he's an intense dude. So nobody really wanted to say anything to him. So I remember when we finally got to Albany, uh, we were outside of the place. And I, I think I just happened to say a couple words to him because I didn't really know who he was. I was like, hey, buddy, what's up? And he's just like... What's up? And I was like, yo, you know, I'm random. I'm from Philly. He's like, oh, you from Philly? That's what's up. So uh, that instantly broke the ice. And so he then uh, tried to use some Philly slang. He said, like, yo, I had a John down in Philly. Ain't that what they say? They say John, right? I was like, yeah, something like that. So so we had a we had a cool moment, you know what I mean? And ever since then, we've been somewhat cool. You know, we email once in a while. But um, I digress. Now, Moving forward, it was time for us to do this show. It was supposed to be a real big show. I think Deb Prez was supposed to be there. Uh, something happened where they couldn't appear. And so that led to them having a lot more extra time slots available. And so they went to everybody on the bus like, yo, we got some some slots if you guys want to do some songs. And I was like, oh, I didn't bring any music. And at that time, I wasn't really prepared because all the music I had been recording was, again, street stuff or just wannabe street stuff or just stuff that just wouldn't fit so i was like oh man i don't think i should do this and uh, lefty was there he's like oh man you should do something you know and so what we did was i wound up performing one of his songs that i'd appeared on and i remember i said something in the song and i don't remember what it was but i remember that i had a line or maybe or two that I didn't really like and I didn't want to say in front of that crowd. So I was just like, oh, this is not going to work. So when it came time to do the song, he did his part and I wound up freestyling my part. And like, I just didn't do what I wrote. And I freestyled it and I wound up saying some, I don't know what happened, but it was one of those moments where just like inspiration hit me and I was just saying some really like positive, like revolutionary, funny, like it was everything I really wanted to put into one song. It was all coming out in this freestyle. And so by the end, everybody's like, yo, you killed it, yo. It's like the end of a, a baseball movie where they hold up the kid who hit the game-winning home run. It was, but they didn't hold me up, though. 
that's not gonna happen. But so they were like, yo, yo, this is so dope. Like, yo, you killed it, man. Yo, that's awesome. And honestly though, and I credit that trip uh for helping me to find out who I was. And it was it was me trying to make music, you know, that again encompassed everything that that I was. You know, I was uh, something funny, something nerdy, something like also with a with a message and with a story and uh, something that's politically uh, aware and self-aware as well. And so um, coming back, I remember on that ride, man, I don't think I didn't do any freestyling this time on the way back. I was more like mortal technique. I kind of sat in the back and just wrote. And I remember writing and the stuff that I wrote wound up being some of my favorite songs. I wound up writing some parts of push, some parts of raise the bar. Um, and things like that that were, would wind up going on my first album. And this was probably two years before that album came out when I, when I had this experience. And, and it was only because of just being around people who were positive and who um, reinforced, helped me to reinforce good, uh, good values in, in, in making music. Because I didn't have anybody around me at that time that was, that was trying to be creative or anything like that. And um and we had a like a post meeting like a wrap up meeting with Katora from Game, and uh, she was she said something and she was like you know I hear a lot of music that that people think is revolutionary and I just you know the message might be there but the execution sometimes isn't and you know and you guys got to remember that you can't try to be someone else you can't try to be any 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 other artist and so she said something that has stuck with me forever she said the most revolutionary thing you can do. Is to stand out. And I was like, wow. Small piece of brain fragment went. And so since then, um, I've recorded, collaborated uh, with uh, those guys several times, you know, um, Hassan and Ravage and so many more. And um, being able to to do that and to go out into a an audience, I mean, it was a huge crowd at, in Albany. And to do that with no songs prepared and no no music and no idea where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do with it was was insane. But at the same time, it, it gave me so much of the courage I have today, which is uh, probably when I started having the confidence to like freestyle live and things like that. Because uh, it was like, man, if I can do it that time and in that situation where everyone's you know eyes are on me, this is my first probably first out of state show. Uh, it was it was it was really intense. But uh, I think it, it's it built character. You know, this was a, an event. I think that that built so much of my character. I want to say I came home and then I went to the studio and was like, "All right, y'all, shove it. I'm gonna do me." But nah, I kind of fell right back into that same pattern of doing what I was doing at the studio. That's right. Here I come. I'm gonna drop it. Y'all ready? Oh, nigga, drop it here. Pump up that bass, pump up that bass, pump it up, uh, from, t- what happened? Oh. But, at the same time, I was, uh, I was recording on the side, but the music I recorded was a lot more positive, uh, a lot more uh, original, was the, the best word I can think of, and I started doing that stuff, and uh, I made this album, basically a demo project called uh, Archetype, and, um, I had a lot of songs on it that I really loved. There were like pieces and elements that I knew that I would want to bring forward. And so I did that. 
uh, back then I was making most of my beats still on the PlayStation. And, um, and uh, eventually I moved on. Then I started kind of forging my identity, which was later lead to me uh, meeting up with, I think, it, yeah, it was that project that led to me meeting up with Oheni of Rom Nation and then going from Rom Nation to me creating my first album, The Call, working with DJ DN3, which then everything has been a steady progression since then. And so I feel like that those moments, I think that I always credit that bus trip to being the day that I found And before there was ever any random There was a boy in the hood Who always did good So the bullies of the block couldn't stand him And on Christmas and birthdays He got mad presents So many he didn't know what to play with He had Transformers, He-Man, Ninja Turtles But the G.I. Joes was his favorite He was so creative That if they didn't make the toy he liked Decided to create it He put Storm Shadow's legs on Snake Eye's body Till they popped And then he duct taped it he made spaceships while the big kids hung out on the block playing hide and seek and riding bikes. They used to try to get involved, but they told him, get lost. And that's when they started getting high at night. Then I heard he made a friend who was as nerdy as him. When he had all that he could withstand, he collected comics and cards, studied, knew the whole Star Wars script like the back of his hand. And in school he made A's and B's And teachers complimented his amazing feats And all the while he wondered If I'm so amazing, jeez How come nobody won't play with me? Huh? Understatement. He had high water pants, coke bottle frames, and a mouth full of orthodontic braces. First girlfriend was named Christina Perez. He took her everywhere. Now the boy's so cool, but she dated him on a dare and left him standing there without a clue. Man, kids can be so cruel. Just when people couldn't like the boy any less. Around the same time, Shorty got an NES. Cause his mama felt this was the best way to keep him out of the streets So though they was penniless Only child so she didn't want an empty nest And it's a healthier addiction than cigarettes And so it began How did he escape the scene? He sat in front of that screen and chased his dreams It was money in the bank, but money drew a blank every time the second LB came up. So we thought back to childhood and how we survived in such a wild hood. Then he realized they didn't hate him. And whatever didn't break him, that's what made him. So he decided to combine his love for the games and rap, open his soul up and let him in. 
Then he chopped up some 8-bit sounds, put it down Now random is now known as Mega Ram Now his name's all over that internet Girls who didn't care are now interested And the best part of the story comes at the end But that part hasn't been written yet Thanks for listening to Bits, Rhymes, and Life. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend, rating and reviewing us on iTunes, shopping at the Nerdy Show store, or directly donating to the network. Any size contribution gets you exclusive Nerdy Show audio and images and lets you participate in our monthly support drives. Just go to nerdyshow.com support to chip in. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com sponsorships. For more episodes of Bits, Rhymes, and Life, as well as other fine programs, community forums, videos, articles, and more, head over to nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to all Nerdy Show Network podcasts via the iTunes store. And for the latest news, follow us on all our favorite social networks. We're glad to be your home for authentic nerdy entertainment. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.